AviationPros.com is the portal website for AMT, airport business, and ground support worldwide magazines. Visit daily for breaking news, industry blogs, and insightful articles from our magazine's editorial team. And don't forget to sign up for our publication's daily e-newsletters. It's all at AviationPros.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Aviation Pros Podcast. I'm Joe Petrie, Editor-in-Chief, Airport Business Magazine. The pandemic is driving a lot more attention to indoor air quality inside of airport facilities as aviation leaders look for ways to effectively protect workers and travelers from the virus. But after COVID subsides, should indoor air quality upgrades remain a priority? I recently spoke with Josh Jacobs, Director of Environmental Codes and Standards for UL Environmental and Sustainability, about the, what the future could look like. My first question for you today is, explain a little bit about what the Verified Healthy Buildings Program is and how it works. Yeah, thanks, Joe. So essentially, it's a scientifically backed third-party verification of the indoor environmental quality, right, of, of whatever space we're talking about. It, it, it's got different levels, to be honest with you. It starts out thinking about the indoor air quality, and it looks at things like volatile organic compounds. TVOC, the total volatile organic compound loads, uh, ozone levels, particulate matters, things of that nature, things that can really impact us on a human health level. And it also allows us to look at HVAC systems and things of that nature to see if they're working properly. Then we move on to the second level, which will include water quality on top of the air quality inside, which includes things like bacterium levels, uh, Legionella counts and things like that. We want to make sure that we're protective of that. And then the final is adds on top of a number of other things around indoor environmental quality, things like acoustics, lighting, uh, things like that that help add to the healthiness of the indoor environment. Now, looking at indoor air quality, does such an analysis focus just on HVAC systems or does it go further than that? Yeah, so it, it's an interesting world, right? The US EPA has always kind of put it best where they talk about there are three pillars of good indoor air quality. The first is correct ventilation, which that has directly to do with the HVAC system, right? You wanna make sure that you have a good HVAC system that's continuing uh, to turn over the air inside your space. So you want some of that outdoor air coming in and you want good air changes for your space. Uh, you know, certain hospital systems have two or more air changes per hour because they wanna change over. Then you get into residential, you know, in residential spaces you have probably closer to like 0.25 to 0.5 air changes per hour, but then commercial spaces like airports, you, you get higher above one air change per hour and really wanna start changing it over. The second pillar of that good indoor air quality concept is around filtration. Well, filtration works directly with, with the first one, right? The HVAC system. Some people may have heard the term MERV ratings, especially here in North America, we use MERV ratings. Um, and this is how much of that outdoor pollutants are caught in these filters of our HVAC systems, right? So pollen or dust or particulate matter, how much is being caught in the system? You don't want too high of a MERV filter because it'll actually make the uh, HVAC system overheat. Uh, you don't want too light of one because you're going to let too much stuff in. So you want the right MERV filter and you have to change those out fairly frequently as well. The final though one, and the one that the EPA says is the most important, it's called source control. So you don't want to add any potential 
pollutants into the indoor environment that could have problems, right? So, um, you know, you don't want to add potentially high off-gassing products that can off-gas a lot of volatile organic compounds. Um, you don't want to add in high levels of a formaldehyde resin for glues and things of that nature in an occupied space. You want to do that when it's unoccupied. Um, you know, heating indoors by burning things, like actually literally heating the space or cooking inside can lead to some other indoor air quality issues. So it's kind of a holistic view, right? You need multiple different things to happen for good indoor air quality to be there. Airports are pretty unique environments, especially inside the terminal, and they're pretty different than a lot of different commercial facilities. What challenges do they face that you might not see in the other commercial facilities and when it comes to protecting the indoor environment? Yeah, Joe, so definitively airports are unique, but the important word in your statement there is protecting. We mostly think about airports you know, the, the, the consumer public think about airports as transportation hubs, right? Or places, honestly, where dreams get fulfilled, right? We get to take great trips to great places. And they certainly are those things. But one of the true main purposes of airports is to keep us safe, right? And safety is an overarching concern at all levels of an airport. Well, the whole experience around safety and expediency, getting people through, but be safe at the same time. Well, by its simple nature of being and the large amounts of traffic, foot traffic that it gets, the locations around, you know, uh, highways coming in and out of airports, uh, other transportation parts, jet exhaust, that they're multi-purpose now areas, right, with stores and restaurants and transportation. Uh, the point here, though, is you want people to feel safe throughout that whole transaction of being there. Well, we know that human health impacts are happening due to indoor environments. So this is just another form of safety, caring about indoor air quality and indoor environmental quality overall on the human system, right? So people may be nervous. They may naturally be nervous about air travel for whatever reason, that, that's just human nature sometimes. And you want to give them that good calming experience. You don't want them to have an asthma attack because the air quality isn't great or have some experience with water that is negatively impacting them. So yes, there are factors in the airport that can be taken into account to potentially have negative indoor environmental qualities, but I trust in airports in their goal of making things as safe as possible to think of indoor environmental quality as just another layer of safety for their uh, their customers that are moving through them. Now, for major hubs and international gateway airports, you know, protecting the environment and the indoor air quality, that seems like something that it's no-brainer. It should be a big top of the list when it comes to protecting the workers and travelers. Now, what kind of airports do you see as all interested in this type of program? I mean, are there benefits for smaller, more regional airports as well as the larger facilities? Uh, Obviously, I'm somewhat biased here, so I would say every airport should be interested in uh, indoor environmental quality for their passengers because of all those reasons we just talked about. But I would say that those that have natural ventilation concepts have less of a major concern around indoor air quality specifically, right? Because think about it, if you're flushing out your building with natural ventilation, 
you're 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 getting any potential pollutants. That source control concern. You're not having to deal with the HVAC problems. Now there's very few of those around the world now, right? Uh, specifically here in North America, there's less and less. Uh, we like our mechanical ventilations. We like to be heated and cooled when we when we demand it. Um, but again, the larger ones tend to have more potential issues in the indoor environmental quality because they're bigger. They have more people coming in and out of them, right? They have larger jets. They tend to have larger jets. They have uh, larger highway systems around them and potential issues coming through. And frankly, they have just a lot more square footage and facilities aren't always the number one thing thought of either from budgetary reasons or, or people time, right, in the space. Our facility managers are stretched thin all over. So smaller facilities may have a better handle on what's going on because they're just simply smaller and have less systems to look at. But again, indoor environmental quality is something that can be thought of along the spectrum of size and scope of the airport. Obviously, the pandemic has exposed a lot of different areas within aviation that uh, need addressing that may not have been noticed or quite as bright as before. Can you explain a little bit about with the pandemic and what it has shown us about the shortcomings of current air systems we see in airports? So wait, Joe, you're telling me people aren't automatically cured of every disease when they walk through the metal detectors and security? Um, <laughs> I I didn't know that. I was I was hoping there was some magical thing from our our, our security system to cure us all. Now, uh, like most things, when it comes to human health or sustainability, people are typically the problem, <laughs> right? And this pandemic has certainly shown us to be that, right? We are the carriers. We are the hosts of this COVID nineteen that's moving on down the chain, right? So you want to make sure that um, obviously people are you, you have controls around people and that they're going to follow them, right? So making sure that mask wearing in an indoor environment is incredibly important, right? Um, shortcomings of a system is making sure you have those correct ventilation rates to turn over, make sure you have a good green cleaning program, right? Sometimes these things were thought of as nice to have. Um, green cleaning or, or cleaning processes were a little bit higher on the list because, you know, people see that, but they don't always see the impact of air quality. But making sure that your air quality is really thought of and, and again, you're getting that fresh air and you're flushing out your buildings correctly. These are the things that can, can really help. But again, it's going to come down to people. Uh, we always say in, in the sustainability world, which human health is a huge part of, that, that you, know, you can build the most sustainable building, in this case, the most sustainable and health-focused airport you can. But the moment you open it up and a person gets involved, that's when it all falls apart, right? So again, getting people bought in at all levels of your management, uh, from the executive level to the staff level that's physically working on the building, um, in, including the staff that work at the facilities and the staff that work at the stores and the restaurants and all on down the line, and making sure that the people coming into your building are as, as, as proactively bought in to the system as possible, which isn't always easy. Human beings, we're, we're a fickle bunch, that's for dang sure. There's always a lot of talk with when it comes to the pandemic about the quote unquote the new normal and the post pandemic world. How do you see the future of air quality standards and these concerns changing in our post pandemic future? So this was starting to move even before the pandemic, Joe. Um, we started to get a lot more data that showed the impact of, of air quality 
and indoor environmental quality, you know, I, I think we all understand it a little bit more, you know, if you've spent a day with sunlight shining on you, you know, you, you feel better, right? So daylighting in offices started to get better, right? Uh, when you get more natural air, when you're outside and instead of inside a, a, a quote unquote box, right? You just feel better, right? And there's lots more studies now com coming out more and more. Uh, Carnegie Mellon University, uh, Dr. Vivian Loftness up there actually started to do a lot of studies on direct correlation between human health and, and indoor environmental quality. And there's lots of studies around air quality impact on our health and productivity and, and return on investment of air quality and grades in school even, and all of this. So we started to see it before the pandemic, but certainly the pandemic has shown a bright, bright light on air quality impact on us. And we're using lots of um, things that we can find in our air as surrogates to understand. Because honestly, going through every single inch of an airport to try and be quote unquote COVID free and test every inch, first off, isn't going to be financially possible. Second, isn't, isn't really viable for the simple reason that someone comes right behind you and sneezes and they had COVID, you're up a creek. You've lost all your data, right? So it's not really possible to do that. So we use these surrogates to understand because a lot of the studies that are coming out about COVID say that the better airflow, right? The better movement of air, the less particulate matters you have in the air, the less chance there is for that overload of the COVID-19 virus on us in the potential future pandemics, right? We have no idea what the next pandemic is gonna look like. It'll probably be airborne. Um, that's the rate we're going. And keeping those particulate matters down means you have to be in closer contact with people than the COVID virus sitting on a piece of particulate matter and floating further than six feet. Uh, those filters can help capture that, right? Ensuring that you have low VOCs means that your ventilation system is working better, right? So all of these sorts of things, the ASHRAE standards that are coming out and talking us more about the concepts of making sure that you're environmentally friendly, meaning not using a lot of energy to heat and cool your space and ventilate it, but also doing the correct ventilation to impact human health. So I see them all continuing down the path of trying to balance those two of energy efficiency and, and saving the planet sustainably while also continuing to hopefully help us be as protective of human health as possible. Obviously, the health of the public is always first and foremost when it comes to this conversation. But of course, you have staff uh, in operations putting in eight to 10 hours a day inside these facilities. What kind of benefits can be gained for them by airports embracing these kinds of standards when it comes to their workforce? Yeah, we talked about it, right? That, that you know, airports are, are now becoming bigger and bigger concepts, right? They're, they're multi-use facilities. Yes, they're airports, but they also have malls within them, right? I mean, there are massive shopping galleries inside uh, airports now. There are restaurants, there are entire, I mean, there, I've been around the world and many airports around the world. Some of the best food I've had has been in airports. Um, so there's that staff. There's also the airport staff itself, right? The facilities management staff, the people who work in and amongst the airport, the airline staff and those. And as we talked about, the indoor environmental quality impacts their health. We're seeing data out of many studies out of Europe, out of North America, uh, Asia, that start to measure things like blood serum, right? And, and different things like that when exposed to VOCs, 
you know, what, what happens to a person internally, what happens to their response, right? So um, there's a thing called a C-reactive protein, not to get all sciencey and technical on everyone, but C-reactive protein is when the body responds with inflammation, basically, right? That it's saying, hey, something's wrong and I've got to really respond. Well, we know that the higher level VOCs in an indoor environment leads to C-reactive proteins raising, right? We have studies that show that. So if we can reduce things like poor indoor air quality from VOCs, you're, you're being better for people. Again, imagine you are in a box with three and a half walls, right? And you're sitting in there every day and you have, you know, eight to 10 hours, like you said, and you're not getting sunlight. Now imagine your glass walls and all of a sudden you've got this bright sunshine that comes in, you know, 300 out of 365 days you're gonna feel better. Now you may need a hat and you may need some sunglasses and some sunblock to be frank, but you're going to feel better. Your body just has a more natural reaction. Human beings want to feel, even when they're protected from the heating and cooling and the other issues outside, they want to feel that natural environment concept. So that's where the folks who work at the airports can truly start to feel better when the indoor environmental quality, like air quality, like water, like daylighting, like acoustics, feel more natural. And my last question for you today, obviously there's a lot of information that you've been able to throw at us. If an airport is really interested in this, what steps do they need to first consider when looking at improving their air quality inside their facilities? And how do they come together with a plan in order to address them? Yeah, so Joe, I, a little bit selfishly, certainly I'd, I'd have them call us, <laughs> have them call us at UL about the UL Verified Healthy Buildings Program. But overall, the first step is actually recognizing that they have some control and that they care, right? Um, that they're starting to care is the very first step in any process, right? So that's awesome. And get that buy-in across your organization, the facility management the workers at that level, the executive level, to recognize that this indoor environmental quality concept is part of their mission of keeping people safe, right? So that is the very first step. When you start to move down that path, you need to understand what your space is like, right? Um, we certainly have standards that, that the verified healthy building market's based upon. You can see those and understand those. But you're going to want to say, like, do a test in your indoor air quality, right? Get some testing done to understand what VOCs could potentially be in your space. What particulate matter is in there already? What's the outdoor ozone layers that you're having to deal with, you know, in taking air from outside to inside? Where's your air intake, right? Is your air intake right next to where the buses drop off? Well, then your, your fresh air, quote unquote, that you're taking in isn't going to be great. And you're going to have some filtration issues, right? to deal with. So really start to look at it all as a, as a fundamental uh, one whole being, right? Your airport is almost like a human, right? It breathes. The, the humans inside it are the, the blood that keep it moving, but, you know, it breathes in and out. So you want to make sure that you start and understand the data of what you have and where you need to go, whether it be a verification, whether it just be testing and a maintenance program that you want to stay on. But you've got to understand what you have first before you can make any changes. But as I mentioned at the top, caring about doing it, Joe, is the very first step. And, and that's what they need to do in understanding how much impact it has on their customers. All right, Josh. Well, thank you for sharing for all this today. It's a very interesting topic. Joe, thank you for having us. And, and uh, again, we're 
very much looking forward to us. I, I know myself, uh, very excited to get back into the airports of the world. So I hope to see you all very soon around the world. Thanks again for listening to today's podcast. For latest information on air quality best practices, make sure to check out the latest edition of Airport Business Magazine at our website, aviationpros.com. I'm Joe Petrie. Please stay safe out there.